hey, listen, how about we give you a couple of million? We call it even. Uh, it's good. You look away. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Kareem Baruke. I'm here with my co-host, Brent Philbin. Hey, hey, what's up, what's up? And Adam Ruthless-Levy. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, so you're listening to the Crypto Basic Podcast, and of course, this specifically is our Friday flagship episode. This is going to be released October 4th. Friday flagship, guys, where we discuss the news and events in the crypto world and the world at large, anything that we think influences the crypto space. And the first thing we want to do is kick off into our rapid fire section. These are some interesting headlines that we're not going to dive too far into, but we think you should know about. Adam's going to take our rapid fire and balls on your court, sir. Welcome to the rapid fire and the first Little article is IKEA just allowed an, an invoice to be paid via the Ethereum blockchain. That's kind of cool. So the IKEA in Iceland has used Ethereum to settle an invoice with a local retailer. I mean, this is definitely the first time I've heard of IKEA doing anything with a uh, crypto. You know, this isn't the company of IKEA, but it is pretty cool that an IKEA decided they were going to use uh, the Ethereum blockchain to settle settle an invoice. And when you're thinking of complicated things like crypto, what better partner for having a complicated setup of a <laughs> wallet than IKEA? I, I can't think of anyone else that I would rather have in, endorsing blockchain, although they did use some sort of stablecoin. I don't know what it was, but the way to download the wallet and put it and put it together and set it up was all in uh, Swedish. So it was just kind of like. There's just pictures of fat people putting things together. Why are they always fat in the IKEA things? Well, because they know that it's going to America. <laughs> ah, good point. Yes, that makes sense. Are they so they're skinny on the uh, the like European versions? Yeah, 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 for sure. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. There you go. So this is, so this blockchain that was paid with was the European version. So this was skinny people showing you in pictures. How to do a crypto wallet. There was a bunch of question marks everywhere. And I don't know. I don't know why I'm rolling. This isn't that funny. It's all right. So the next, <laughs> <laughs> the next topic is uh, the SEO, SEC orders uh, block one, which is the parent. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's a parent company of EOS, correct? Yes, it is. They have to pay a $24 million penalty for an unregistered ICO, but pretty sure they settled with them at least that's what the headline i saw was it's like they kind of just knew that they were gonna have to pay for this <laughs> you know ahead of time with uh their 94 billion dollar ico yeah i mean they probably looked around they're like hey listen how about we give you a couple of million we call it even uh it's good you look away <laughs> i mean yeah the, I and mean, exactly. they raised they raised over two billion dollars right like they yeah 94 like one percent this isn't even the transaction fee that you would be charged by fucking Square. That's right. To do a transaction. That's right. It's exactly like what happened with uh, the Wall Street banks after the crash, right? Where like the quote unquote penalties that go to these companies are actually just a great cost of doing business. Hey, you can make $100, but it's going to cost you a 50 cent fee. Oh, 
okay. <laughs> Do you think, I mean, ultimately it does, if they had to pay 24 million of their, all that money, then it, it, maybe they were kind of thinking a little bit ahead and just being like, all right, we're probably gonna have to pay this. I wonder if EOS is going to move forward now with maybe things that been keeping people in doubt. Like what, what, what was the issue was, was like the governance I I know we covered it a few episodes ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really, the only issue that we have identified with EOS is just basically what it is and everything about it. Yeah, <laughs> just like I'm sorry, exists. okay, that's an exaggeration, but yes, the governance structure. I mean, come on, look, I grant you, Adam. I mean, that's a generous interpretation. They probably were thinking ahead, but their number one concern was just raising as much money as they could, and they did for themselves and then they centralize yeah, the power for themselves you've got to yeah. you've got to hand it to to mr brock brock the hype man helping him out john oliver with the assist there letting people know what eos was and yeah they they did a good job raising funds i can't imagine they're going to actually do a good job of creating a product because we've seen the product and it sucks but they did a great job raising money yep and uh, here's what happens when you don't do a great job of raising money. The coin Sia, Sia coin, they only uh, had to pay 225k uh, to for an SEC settlement, but With the same kind of was, thing, right? Oh, yeah, but hold on. It yeah for the same kind of thing, but it was over uh, only a hundred and twenty thousand dollars in unregistered tokens. So. <laughs> Yeah, like in their own token sale. So they actually had to pay 200% of their token sale, and EOS had to pay 1%. 1%. Yes. Well, at least that's crazy. Sia F- coin must have raised money like a long time ago then, if they only got that much. 2014. 2014, which is pretty crazy, actually. At least they're treating yep. us like traditional businesses. <laughs> the big ones get special treatment, and the little ones get shit on. See you later. Oh, oh I, I think I think it was. Uh, Get it? Actually, they were actually called. Oh yeah, it's solid. It's all right. Yeah, that it's was fine. a good joke. <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. I you think got one more. I think they were called Nebulous uh, in 2014, and uh, yeah. So and I guess they rebranded to see eventually. 2014. That's a real early ICO. That was like three years before we all lost our shits anything that had uh, a crypto in it. Yeah. And lost all of our shit on top of it. Yes. We, we lost our shit and lost our shit. Uh, so we got two more now. CEO, the CEO of Biaxi, B-E-A-X-Y disappears as the sh- exchange struggles to remain solvent. I feel like this happens every couple of months. It, it's happening all the time. I just like to report on them. I, we've been, We've been telling everybody about all these like big, you know, soft or hard scams. They're coming. They're going to I feel like every show we're going to have another one where this is happening. Like nobody was ready for a bull market. Nobody was ready for, you know, the money to stop flowing. This is crazy. The, these things are going to keep toppling. That's why I said. <laughs> OK, I mean, it. It is. It it does feel like, you know, think about it when a, uh, you're, you're talking to a girl and then all of a sudden you just like say something dumb and then their uh, their texts become a little farther apart. And then one day they just don't respond. And then you just like are like, hey, 
what's up? And they just don't respond. And you just like, that's, it's kind of, you know, how it goes with, with being a CEO of an insolvent exchange where you try to give reports here and there. And then all of a sudden you're like, what can I even say to these people? Like, there's nothing. I kind of just have to peace out, disappear. I love how specific Adam's example is there. He's just like, sometimes you say something stupid and then they start texting you less than, and 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 you're like, I'm waiting last night or two episodes ago. I mean, that, is this that the girl that stood you up before that episode? No, no, no. This hasn't happened recently, but um, I just have done definitely been ghosted like that in the past, where it's just like, "Yep, uh oh, I was too much of myself too early." Yep, GG. Do you have and any examples of dumb things that you've said that that you know you, you immediately were like, "Man, I shouldn't have said that." I mean. I don't know. That's what, there's, what, there's, you, there's, there's too many to list. Yeah. There's too many to list. <laughs> We've all but, said dumb okay. stuff to girls. What, what, hold on a second. The next story on the rapid fire is they're remaking cool runnings. Can you please tell me about this? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I have to keep talking to Brent about my dumb. Uh, okay. I'm kidding. Uh, so the dog, uh, co- so dog coin users, this is Doge. something that popped up. On, sorry. Doge popped up on Reddit. Like five years ago, January 20, 2014. And it was in a today I learned. You know, that's how I saw it, which is hilarious. Uh, it said Dogecoin users raised 30K to send the Jamaican bobsled team to the Winter Olympics. And then there's a picture below it that just has, you know, a bunch of Shiba Inus photoshopped on the Jamaican bobsled team from Cool Runnings. And it's like, Jamaica, we have a dog, a dog sled, doge sled team. I, I really just like saying, how do we live? yeah, <laughs> I mean, that that's honestly pretty cool. You know? Yeah. This yeah. was in 2014. Damn. That, that think, I think about how much that doge is worth now. That, that Jamaican bobsled team is like, we could have not played, man. Fuck. We had them all, all the money. <laughs> And as a hey, yo, as a ch- reference point, they were also trying to raise money, the Jamaican sled team, on their Indiegogo, and they raised 5000 there. So, like, Doge raised, like, 14 times or whatever, as many times. To- Wait, no. <laughs> That's bad. Seven. Seven times, <laughs> seven times as much money as, uh, as they were able to in Indiegogo. So, yeah, man, crypto's powerful. They ended up selling 26 million Dogecoin. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And I think that pretty much wraps up the rapid fire. And uh, now we want to hear a little a little ad from our friends at Wild Foods. Oh, our friends at Wild Foods. Oh, yeah. You're talking about those guys that we know that we're friends with. No. So two things. One, you hear this in every, on every show so far because we are still somehow sponsored by Wild Foods. I don't know. They haven't figured out that it's a bad idea to pay us yet. But they are a really good company. Awesome ingredients, well-sourced materials, food from small farms around the world. You can get your stuff at wildfoods.co, and they will send it to you really fast. Or you can go on Amazon. They're on there, too. They'll send it faster than I was able to get Kareem his samples. Took, took <laughs> so, a little yeah, bit. Those of you that are on the Discord saw the picture I shared. I was pretty excited. And, you know, the first... Um, the first one I had tried, I had done the lion's mane before in like a protein shake, but I put it in some tea because that's what it said on the on the package. I hadn't really tried that, so I brewed some green tea, kind of put a scoop of that. It was pretty good, pretty earthy, pretty tasty. Lion's mane supposed to help you with your brain stuff. <laughs> so anyway, it's good stuff. 
Yeah, they have a few different mushroom, mushrooms and blends and stuff like that. So there, it, Kareem got a little care box. It was in the Discord, but I had a question about that at Discord. So there's pictures of all the Wild Foods products, and then there's the pictures of the games that we played like three weeks ago. The, I'm just confirming that we hadn't put those away. <laughs> Incorrect. We had friends over the night before. Oh, those man. Put away. I was really worried. It's like, damn. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So that, all right. That's cool. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you got your products. I'm glad we are still uh, sponsored by Wild Foods and, and we'll see, uh, you know, how long they keep liking us. Use the code CryptoBasic12, though, to show them that it's worth sponsoring CryptoBasic. Now let's go to the meat of this show. Let's go to the, the the big stories we got over the week. Kareem, you want to tell us about um, crypto exchanges creating a token rating system? That's right. So this actually comes from Coinbase. I think it's kind of a big deal because this looks like the industry's uh, attempt to get ahead of the SEC in a way, sort of. Um, So this comes from a blog that Coinbase released that said they were introducing the Crypto Rating Council. All right. And essentially, they wanted to create a system that would yield a score that rates how close a token is to a security. So the, in the blog, they say, look, the the SEC has given us some guidance on this. You know, they're very um, deferential. You know, oh, they've given us some helpful guidance, blah, blah, blah. But their main argument is that ultimately the analysis uh, of figuring out whether or not a token is a security is fact-intensive research and analysis, and it requires experts, and that it's going to be difficult and expensive. Um and if you just have all these institutions doing it separately, government, people, policies, you're going to have disagreements. So what Coinbase wanted to do was get a bunch of industry leaders, they're referring mostly to exchanges and investors, and uh, securities law experts to come together and create a system, a standardized system um, that was scalable, points-based, uh, and center- it was centered around several yes or no factual questions. So they're trying to reduce the amount of subjectivity. And the questions themselves that they apply derive from the SEC guidance. So they're using SEC guidance and also case law. So where there have actually been, you know, lawsuits and whatever was ruled, whatever president we have, right? So that's how they constructed this system. And they claim or they say that they're going to try, they try to make it as objective uh, repeatable and fact-based as possible, fact-based questions, right? So who are the members of the council? Just as, as a reference point, it's a company called Encourage, Bitrix, Circle, Coinbase, DRW, Cumberland. They're like a big investment, asset management, uh, Genesis as well, Grayscale Investments. These guys are also essentially doing big-time investment um, and Kraken. So the only one here that I didn't reckon that isn't an investment firm or an exchange is Anchorage. And I just wanted to go on a little quick tangent and tell you guys about Anchorage. Apparently, they're part of this Libra what? Association. Um, oh, as, wait, we're talking about the city? No, Anchorage is one of the partners of uh, oh, okay. project. Okay, yeah, sorry. So what, I, 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 like, I, I, I was reading my article, and I, I, all I heard was Anchorage, and I was like, wait, I don't understand. I'm sorry. Please continue. Stay focused, Brent. Come on. Yeah, so Anchorage here is the only part of the council that isn't either an investment firm or an exchange. And what they do is they apparently created a large scale vault for 
businesses, for big time businesses where transactions are validated by something that they call a quorum. So there's no usernames or passwords or wallets or something. Apparently, this was created when a company contacted these individuals about a million dollars that they had lost in cryptocurrency because they lost the password. They lost the key. Um <laughs> So they wanted to develop something that's for like, okay, what do you do with these big businesses that want to have, let's say, $20 million worth of Bitcoin? Well, you can't just leave it to who, like somebody could transfer it away. Somebody could steal it. Somebody could hack it. You could lose the password. So they have this system where like you whitelist certain phones. And then when somebody initiates a transaction, like let's say somebody said, I want to send $5 million worth of Bitcoin, basically more than half of your employees, more than half of the whitelisted devices would have to approve. And then they will also use, you know, biometrics and network signals. And so it's like a service for bigger institutions, right? Oh, that's super um, cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was pretty interesting. I wasn't familiar with them. So anyway, going bringing it back to Coinbase and the rating system, the rating system is on a scale of one to five. A five being the most like a security. Okay. And they've already said, listen, these scores aren't static. They can change over time, right? They're open to if somebody feels that it's an unfair score and they want to give reasons as to why. But these scores aren't, they don't take in developer input, right? They don't call Ripple or Ethereum or Cardano to, to talk to them about their score, even though they will take in input in general from developers. Um, so they've already released their website. I went to their website to just kind of explore the rating system. They haven't released that many coins, only a few. I wanted to read it to you guys so we can get an idea of the system. So starting off with the lowest score, Bitcoin, Bitcoin got a 1.0. That means it is the least like a security. And then they have these little summaries, right? Like these little, um, kind of characteristics about the coin. And here's what they say about Bitcoin. Absence of a marketed token sale and marketing efforts, decentralized development and usage, and anonymity of the project team. So those aspects, hey, yeah. <laughs> those aspects make Bitcoin a 1.0. What else is a 1.0 under? Litecoin and Monero are two of the coins that I saw that are basically the least like a security. Next up on the Wait, chain. We know who Charlie Lee created it. Created yeah, Litecoin, right? Not, like that. No, well, yeah, but development team is not necessarily the creator, right? It, it, it's oh yeah, okay, that's a, good, that's a good point. Um, that that seems like a very like weird. That's not a just because you may know or may not know. I feel how does that make it a security or not? That well, doesn't seem like a good. No, you know, but it, there's no but one it to come after. There's no one to come after, but <clears throat> also, guys, don't forget that a security really is about. Remember when we did the whole Howie Law thing, this was about whether you're investing in someone else's work and expecting that to yield a profit, right? When you buy Tesla stock is because you believe that Elon Musk and his executives are going to turn a profit and are going to do the market and they're going to do all the research and all the work and all the development. And you expect to profit from that, right? So it's reasonable for them to say, okay, if you're investing on a specific, you know, hey, this development team is good and I'm investing in them. That's different than if there's like this decentralized uh, development team by majority, which is the case with something like Bitcoin or Litecoin. Got it. Um, anyway, so with Ethereum, they say it's a two. And they uh, here are some of the blurbs. Current functionality of the platform. I think they say the, what they're trying to say is that it is functional. Um, the absence of investment-like language or marketing. 
the fact that it's decentralized development and usage. And the coin that also had a two was Zcash. Not a one, but a two. They're putting okay. it in a similar category to Ethereum. EOS got a 3.75. Absence of mm. investment-like language or marketing. Current functionality of the platform. These are similar to Ethereum, but check this one out. Raised funds in excess of what would reasonably be necessary for development of the platform. Yeah. Yeah, but they had to pay all those fees and fines and stuff. Yeah, half a percent. <laughs> so just to give you guys, these are projects that you would recognize that are in the same category as EOS. Decentraland got a 3.75. Before you go before you go forward, I also would like to point out that EOS has been found by the SEC to have done an unregistered uh securities offering. So th- I guess this is the level of like this is where you're fucked? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I mean, apparently yeah, but also they find them and if that's the end of the conversation then <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, then I guess who cares. Um Hedera Hashgraph, Loom Network, Stellar, and Tezos, all of those were also 3.75. And then so, this was pains me to yeah, hear most of those in the same category uh, as EOS. I'm just so just to clarify, is it bad if you're a security? Is it well, always bad? It's not about being good or bad. It's about if you are a security, you have to you now fall under the regulations of securities laws. Ah, and, if they're okay. not, and if they're not meeting those requirements, like let's say, for example, they have to know the names of the investors and all this stuff, then you're violating securities laws, right? Whereas like Bitcoin doesn't have to worry about that because you're not participating in a security transaction. Makes sense. And this was the most controversial one, guys. This was the one that will probably create a little more uh, you know, shaking, but XRP got a four. And the reason I say that X, that this is important is because the CEO of Ripple Labs has on the media specifically said that it's ridiculous to call XRP, the token, uh, a security or whatever. So now that this score is coming forward, you can expect some pushback from them. But here was the blurbs on XRP. Usage of securities like language, the sale of tokens or token interest prior to the existence of token utility. Marketing of the tokens suggesting an opportunity to earn profits. And they do give it decentralized development and usage. Anyway, that's more or less it. I'm assuming that they're going to keep rolling out scores. I do think so. XRP has the worst score that's been rolled out so far. XRP is the most like a security. We probably shouldn't frame it as a worst or best. Yeah, yeah. XRP is the most security uh, like token. They've been so hard on that messaging recently, too, where they're just like, it's not. It's not. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's interesting to see. <clears throat> I, I also was hoping that they were going to when I heard creating a token rating system, I was hoping it was more like, you know, these coins are useful and good. And but no, they're more just like yeah, or, or not scams, at least. And this is mm-hmm. more just like, no, nah, like these might be in a legal gray area. Watch yourself. But you know what? There's going to be some uh, benefit for the community as a whole that doesn't seem as tangible. But we could think about it this way, right? Now, there's basically all of this corporate institutional effort to rate these at whether or not they're securities. Now, businesses can make more educated investments, right? A business that doesn't really know that much about cryptocurrency and is deciding whether or not to hop in 
and they have to worry about all this securities law stuff and they don't know what is and what isn't. And most of them are probably like, dude, this is not worth it. Right. But now you could still have a little ambiguity. You're not a hundred percent sure, but Hey, check it out. This big scoring system with a bunch of major investors and exchanges says that this token is not even close to a security or this project is not even close to a security. Well, you're going to get more aggressive investment, right? That is an excellent point. And then that might drive the price back up, right? If more people invest. Well, I meant investment in actually developing the projects. I don't, I don't uh, know okay, shit about cool. price. Yeah, price yeah. is uh, also, a reflection I, of liquidity, Brent, not value. Listen, speaking about price, since we're talking about price right now, you know how much we love to talk about price. Kareem, first of all, what is the price of Bitcoin today? Uh, come on. Uh, $9,000. Not quite. We're <sighs> hovering right around 8200 Pretty close, though. Uh, I, I did realize the market basically tanked after you bought in again. So I'm pretty sure this is your fault. We, we were lo- we were doing all kinds of analysis about crotchety old dudes and mm-hmm, stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's the feng shui like in your house, bro? Yeah, but I got I got into Cardano. Should the whole market tank just because I bought Cardano? Remember, my goal was to well, buy Bitcoin, and then I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. snap. But Cardano's more. You were going to buy Bitcoin, then you forgot, and then you bought Cardano. But yeah. I think that that's like, they're just like, well, we never know what Kareem's going to do. We were just going to tank Bitcoin, so now we're going to tank it all. Those Russian people on the phone are like messing with the whole market because of you, so. It actually tanked like I feel like uh, I woke up maybe forty five minutes ago or something, and it was at eighty seven hundred. So it it was a very quick tank. I think once Kareem, you know, hopped on, uh, you know, the <laughs> Discord, he got his, on yeah. the airwaves again. They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is it relevant at all that the Dow Jones and S and P are also suffering? No. Uh, I don't know. Have you bought any of the Dow Jones or S&P shares lately? No. Uh, We don't use logic here at the Crypto (laughs) Music Project. So, Brent, do you want to tell us about your favorite state? By the way, before you guys move on, I just want to point out, like, how sweet would it be if you knew that, like, if Bitcoin got below 8,000, the Federal Reserve is just going to buy a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin because they don't want the price to drop (laughs) Sorry, I'm just saying like this is when we're talking about how, like the interest <laughs> rates and all this stuff, you know, you have central banks jumping into stock markets and they literally do open market operations if stocks are falling. And I just want to say like actually think about it. Think about if you knew that there's no way Bitcoin gets below 8000 because the moment it gets close, the Federal Reserve is just like, oh, we got to buy a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. It's pretty silly. Pretty. That's the real world we live in, though. Just want everybody to know. So, so you're saying the Federal Reserve is about to buy a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin? If by Bitcoin we mean stocks, when stocks are falling, <laughs> then yes. <laughs> All right, perfect. Okay, I was just trying to, to to get an actionable item out of our non-financial advice there, Kareem. <laughs> that was a good job. It, yeah, it's it's almost like if you know the whole cards that your opponents have, it's easier to play the game. Yeah. Do you know what one billion is of the Federal Reserve's total assets? It's not even what uh, it's not even one percent like what EOS paid. It's like I mean, it's it's a quarter of a percent. Cost of doing business, boys. Just the cost of doing business. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So speaking of my favorite state, like you said, Adam, I don't know why this is my favorite state. I've never even been to Ohio, as far as I know, and I 
dislike Ohio because or Ohio State because Urban Meyer was the coach at Florida when I was there, and then he faked a heart attack so that he could leave <laughs> and go to Ohio State. So, I mean, Gainesville, Florida is great, but at some point, you just like you know, not anymore. Yeah, dude, you gotta I get out. I Maybe he enjoy, got out earlier. Did not enjoy my adult experience in Gainesville when I was there for a little bit, getting that escape room. Yeah, open, you don't so. want to be an adult in in Gainesville. Nah, you you want to be like a 24 year old. That's a good time. <laughs> Urban Meyer, yeah, he's, he's double that. He needs to get out. Yeah. I mean, and his heart was having so much trouble. Okay. So, anyway, Ohio is no longer accepting BitPay. Now, there's been a little bit of controversy with BitPay that we haven't covered because we haven't been able to look into it and do it justice. But the core developers, Bitcoin, didn't like something that they did. This has nothing to do with that. This is just Ohio had OhioCrypto.com and they were accepting tax payments in bitcoin or anything else the bit bitpay could do they uh they they went ahead and looked at everything that was that was happening on the blockchain and everything and they're like look guys less than 10 businesses in the entire state even took advantage of this they also threw in this extra language to say like we can't even really tell you more about the businesses other than it's less than 10 which makes me think that it was like Less than 10 businesses that were so small that they're like, why are we even bothering with this? And this is this happens across the board when all these websites or whatever, they accept crypto. Nobody nobody uses it on the websites, which is super scary when you're thinking about like how it's going to become an ubiquitous payment processing system. Like we're not even close to there yet. Nobody uses it for those purposes it's difficult too it also involved like a weird internal review where they may be not 100 percent sure what is a financial transaction device and stuff like they're they're having it looked at by their state attorney so maybe they will allow taxes to be paid in crypto again in the future but for now operation of ohiocrypto.com has been suspended waiting on the attorney general's formal opinion and uh, just another step in the wrong direction. But I brought this up because one of the things that we uh, we've talked about is, you know, one of the big reasons that you never have to worry about the dollar's value is that you have to pay taxes with the dollar The more. You can not pay taxes with the dollar. I don't know. How does that, how does that affect going to our local dollar expert, Kareem? How does this affect <laughs> anything overall? Well, I mean, it's showing the reality that one of the main criticisms of the cryptocurrency space, which is that we're not really creating an alternative payment network, but that right now it's just fueled by speculation and investment is 100% correct. Um, not 100% correct, but it's mostly true, you know. And the only thing I'll add to the dollar is, yeah, there's you have taxes that have to be paid in dollars, debt that has to be serviced in dollars, um, you know. For sure, the idea of Bitcoin serving as a replacement to the dollar, I think, is just not feasible in Bitcoin's current state and also not feasible within like many, 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 many years. It's going to take a while. It really is. And uh, I hope we can get there eventually. But uh, maybe Anchorage can help us out. As a quick side note, just to like, because, you know, we never can predict the future, right? So one of the things that we can consider is that like maybe maybe some like maybe the dollar becomes one of the most global his, uh currencies ever used but that the historical chapter after the dollar 
is actually a bunch of fragmented currencies all over the world that because of the technology that exists are easy to exchange and interoperate. But like maybe there it will never be a replacement to the dollar because maybe the dollar was the biggest like, oh, that's when this big country that could control a lot of other countries after World War II was able to implement the financial system and yada, yada, yada. But maybe the next chapter is not one bigger currency. Maybe it's something more fragmented and we don't know. That, yep, that's an interesting thought. I mean, yeah, that is. I think there's going to be some fireworks that happen uh, regarding all of this in the next few years and some things that we can't anticipate whatsoever. Also, I love that books are still being used, textbooks, which cost a ton of money in Kareem's future. <laughs> and uh, and we have to turn pages. Oh, Geez, what is whatever happened to ebooks? Bill Gates said that there was not going to be any need for physical books anymore. Turns out he was wrong, according to Kareem's future. Kareem, speaking of uh, the future and the dollar, uh, can you tell us about what's going on with Libra? Sorry, yes, Adam. great, great news. I mean, bad news. Well, okay, wait, which is just, it? Okay, that's the thing. I'm going to tell you guys a bunch of bad news. Which is great news because they're bad news for Mark Zuckerberg. Yes, so the, that is good. Yeah. Okay, I understand. You understand what I'm saying now, guys? So I want to give the audience and my fellow co-hosts here an update on the, on the Libra situation. But then going down that rabbit hole just made me realize that Facebook is suffering. And I think it's fantastic. So here we go. <laughs> uh, first, as you guys know, Libra has been faced with a ton of opposition from official government sources. So the Federal Reserve, the Treasury Department, the House uh, Banking Committee, the Senate Banking Committee, the EU antitrust uh, offices, Indian and Chinese officials, and the French Jeez. have all come out and basically said, Libra, this is probably not happening. The French have come out and said, we'll stop it in Europe. Like It's not going to happen, basically. Now, I'm not saying that the French are right, but they're facing opposition here from all sides. And now, on Tuesday, a Wall Street Journal story broke, which was explaining that Visa and MasterCard and some of the other financial partners, some of the people that signed up to help build uh, the payment network, they're now reconsidering whether they should be a part of it at all. And one of the reasons, well, before I get to that, Facebook is actually asking them like, hey, this is it. This is the time. We need your help. Can you guys please come out in support of Libra vocally? <laughs> and Visa and MasterCard and everybody's like, eh, nah, you're good. <laughs> you guys push for it. Um, and of course, now Facebook is starting to really worry about being able to keep Libra on track. Uh, and here's the thing. One of the difficulties for the partners uh, that was expressed is that they are worried that pushing for Libra was going to attract broader regulatory scrutiny to their own business, to their own financial activities. Well, they were right because the Department of Justice has now requested that Visa, MasterCard, Stripe, and PayPal provide a complete overview of their uh, money laundering compliance programs, and they want to know how Libra is going to fit into that, right? Because they're saying, okay, right. you want to be a part of this project? Show us all the due diligence that you've done. Well, here's the problem for Facebook. The 28 uh, members of the committee, the only commitment that they've made is write a letter. Nobody has 
There's no contracts. You know the ten million dollars that each one is supposed to contribute to to be essentially an ode and contribute to the development. Yeah, nobody has paid that yet. This is all just like a handshake oh, agreement. Man. It's like getting a fantasy football league together. It's like everybody's like, yeah, 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 I'm in, yeah. and then like nobody pays until draft exactly. day, and then you're like, oh no. There's all this drama blowing up before draft day and nobody has paid. Nobody's even confirmed that they're going to the draft. You still got like four people that haven't confirmed. <laughs> That's the Jeez. current situation for, for Facebook. And everybody's <laughs> freaking out. They're seeing that this is a fight with every government. And a bunch of these guys are probably like, oh, this is not worth it. And what makes this even juicier is that on a different front, nothing to do with Libra, Facebook is getting hammered from Every angle, guys. Number one, the Department of Justice has opened an antitrust investigation of Facebook. Let's go. The FTC has also opened an antitrust investigation and multiple states. And when I say multiple, I don't mean like three. It's led by the New York Attorney General, but the states that are participating are Colorado, Florida, Iowa, Nebraska, North Carolina, Ohio, Tennessee, and D.C., the District of Columbia. Wow. Wow, and those that, are those are pretty. Uh, you know, yes. it's not like they're all red or all blue. That's very no, no, no. Exact same thought, Brent. I had the same thought. So this is really like, and it's just getting started, right? You never know who's going to hop on board. Uh, <laughs> and I love this. I, I think you guys are going to kick out of this. The federal investigation. This is the one that's led by the FTC. Is actually getting help from Snapchat because. The legal team at Snapchat has kept a dossier for years about all of the ways that they felt Facebook was trying to thwart competition unscrupulously, illegally. Oh, my God. (laughs) No joke. The title of the document, Project Voldemort. That's what they called it at at, uh, Snapchat. (laughs) They had this ongoing dossier. Just keeping track of Project Voldemort. All right. Oh, my God. Don't say it one more time. What kinds of things are in the dossier or what is in the document that Snapchat is alleging? Well, you know, for example, it appears that Instagram was preventing influencers from being able to link their Snapchat profile on their bios and was even threatening to like ban them or remove them or whatever. So it was preventing traffic from going to Snapchat. On top of that, they say that Snapchat content was prevented from trending on the platform or that when people searched the video that was coming from Snapchat, it like search results were suppressed. Basically, all kinds of subtle ways in which Facebook was manipulating it to prevent Snapchat from growing fairly. Interesting. We know Snapchat's not doing that themselves because I get an ad for TikTok every time I open the damn thing. (laughs) And... To make matters worse, it's not just Snapchat that is participating. Wait, Apparently, do they own TikTok? TikTok? No, Snapchat? some Chinese company owns TikTok. Oh, okay. <clears throat> to make matters worse, guys, it's not just Snapchat. It looks like the FTC has been reaching out to a bunch of Facebook competitors and asking for their cooperation, finding out ways in which Facebook has behaved like a monopoly. And in unrelated news, Google Plus has been reactivated. Well, yeah, was, I'm like, who's a Facebook competitor? Yeah, well, I mean, we were just talking about yeah, like we're Instagram, just talking about Snapchat. Out to Instagram. No, because here's another thing that they do. They My also were talking like- to app developers because sometimes they can manipulate you, even if you're on their platform, by preventing you to take users to a different platform or you know whatever the case might be. And here's another point that they're zeroing in on, which is apparently uh, a point of contention. There was a VPN called 
Onavo. Apparently, Facebook bought them in 2013. Remember, this is a VPN is a... I actually don't know what is it, virtual private network. Virtual private like network, I believe. I yeah, it was private proxy network. Proxy, proxy yeah. network, that makes sense. Anyway, bounces around, right? It's supposed to hide what you're doing and your identity and all that stuff, which of course, Facebook, well, oh yeah, they were protecting your privacy for never. <laughs> what did they do with this? <laughs> they were getting user data. So if you installed this on your phone, they were seeing what you were doing with all of the different apps on your phone. Anytime you were online, they were just monitoring everything that you were doing. And guess what? It looks like the information that they got from this app is the reason that they they were able to identify that WhatsApp represented a real threat. And that's why they pulled the trigger on buying it. They could see that people were using it. They could see what people were doing when they were outside of Facebook because of this VPN. So they they were forced to shut that down uh, eventually. But of course, like they were, they were also using the VPN to monitor how people use Snapchat and how many snaps a day you would send and all this stuff. So the bottom line here, guys, is I wanted to give an update on Libra and basically say they're facing an uphill battle. Don't be surprised if you start hearing that, a, that it starts falling apart, that a bunch of corporate members go and disappear and don't want to have this fight with them. And on top of that, Facebook is being attacked from every angle. And I got to tell you, I love it because Facebook is trash. Their executive team is trash and Zuckerberg's the worst CEO. That is something that I feel like we were talking about a few months ago. Just not just the fact that, you know, they were going to face within the first week. There was Maxine Waters that was, uh, you know, saying to Facebook needed to stop and all these things. And that was you just knew that that was just the start of this waterfall Mm -hmm. of criticism and roadblocks. Yeah. Everyone yeah. hates Facebook. It, it's the one uniting thing across the aisle. Republicans and Democrats alone, they hate Mark Zuckerberg. I, I also remember seeing Mark Zuckerberg was, they had like a recording of him where he's like, it, it's he's creating an us versus them mentality with the whole company where he's like, the government's against us. All these people are against mm-hmm. us. We got to show them, which is always dangerous. Dude, I mean, look, every single internal thing that has come from them, it's been clear that Facebook has never tried to do the right thing. Here, like, The reality is I'm not naive about the world. I understand that the corporate incentive structure is going to inevitably mean that as companies get bigger, they're going to trample on our rights because that's how they make more money. If they can pollute, if they can take your identity, your th- I mean, your data, if they can whatever, they're going to make more money. But Facebook has literally never even tried. They've just always lied. They always do the worst thing. They're always selling, you know, your data privately. I mean, it's famous from that old quote where uh, Zuckerberg offered information on people that went to Harvard or something to a friend, and he's like, Hi, "So, oh, I could give you whatever you need: social security numbers, blah blah blah." And then his friend, and then the friend said, "How do you have all this stuff?" And he said, "I don't know. They trust me, dumb fucks." That's a real that's a real yeah, conversation yeah. that happened years yeah. ago. So yeah. that's it. That the it rots from the head down. You know what I mean? That's been his attitude the whole time. Yeah, at least Google has that whole thing where at any point anyone in the company can stop and be like, "Is this evil?" And they have to have a discussion about the morality of what they are about to try to do. They got rid of that, Brent. Don't be evil is not their. Did little they really? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, oh guys. Detach yourself from the idea that Google's a good guy anymore. I mean, they're they're coming down this path, but they're not as bad as Facebook. No, no. Listen, I've never thought that Google was the good guy. I I just think that like 
things like that that they were doing were helping them not be as bad as they could be. Mm-hmm. So that, what do you mean they got rid of that? Like what? Like they got in trouble they for the? It. They dropped it. They dropped Ugh. it. Just like Fox News was like, hey, maybe we shouldn't call ourselves fair and balanced anymore. Like Fox News <laughs> literally had enough awareness to be like, yeah, we're not fair and balanced. Let's just get rid of it. <laughs> right? Well, Google was like, you know what? This whole don't be evil thing, it's getting thrown in our face a little too much. <laughs> uh, so I have a – I just wanted to uh, circle back. I have a few things from the things we were talking about along the episode. That $30 million Dogecoin – sorry, $26 million, is actually only worth 50 uh, – is only worth like double what it is in 2014. It was at like, oh, wow, poor dude. Yeah, one tenth of a penny. And now it's like two tenths, uh, one fifth of a penny, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> also, it is virtual private network, even though it is a proxy server. It was. was a little confusing. Boom. And I have a I have a dumb thing that I did uh, many years ago to um, when talking to a girl. Uh, if you want to hear that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. The girl asked me, uh, basically, I picked this girl up at uh, Olive Garden when I was waiting tables. And I just asked her in like a bunch in front of like a few other women uh, if she wanted to like go out, whatever. And then she asked me, this is when I was like 20. So I was like probably incredibly stupid regarding uh, having like, being able to talk to women. And she asked me, hey, like, why'd you, uh, you know, end up talking to me? And I just was like, the first girl had a boyfriend and then you were, and I, and then like, she stopped talking to me and I was like, you were I didn't understand choice. why. Yeah. She stopped talking you, to you just because yeah. you told her that she was your second choice next to her yeah. friend. Who's yeah, I know. That's just oh, so man, out of line. So out of line, man. Fragile egos. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, just think about, I mean, yeah. So I, let's say less dumb stuff to women now, but like still things happen. But that was from like when I was like nine, like 20. That was a good that was so, a good callback. You know, like when in stand-up comedy they tell you a joke and then when it's wrapping up, they bring the joke back. That's what Adam just did there. That was masterful from the from Well, the I mean, I feel like there I couldn't really think of a good one on the on the spot. I also think there are just certain things that arise, like in the middle of the episode that are interesting, like the fact that it's only doubled for the Dogecoin that they paid five years ago. It's kind of crazy. Almost six, to be honest. But I mean Yeah. What that it only doubled though, right? Like that would still make it a pretty solid investment, right? I'm pretty sure. Like I'm not, I'm not a compounding genius or whatever, but I don't think five years at ten percent compound to double does it. Uh, um, no, not five. So years. it's probably more than ten percent compound. Yes, but they spent it, so it doesn't really matter. You know, they well, I'm just saying hypothetically. I'm playing. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, they probably spent it on sleds stupid sleds all right and we got a uh, one more story here guys for that's a scam which is the crypto basic specialty uh, i think we're basically just scam detectors that's what we do that's our service to the community that's a scam what's this yeah, uh fair we should story? just like rebrand to scams basic no no no, no. <laughs> crypto basic scam detector all right so it's scam time. We're talking about something near and dear to our hearts, online gambling. There is a company called Fairwin. So what is Fairwin? What does it have to do with online gambling? Well, I Sounds went to the website to, to find out. Yeah, it, of course, it's fair in some fashion. Uh, I went to the website to find out. I want to know a little bit more. So right on the website, 
first page, front and center, they have their logo with the explanation of what they are. So I'm going to read that to you guys now. Blockchain plus gambling, blockchain plus game, established industry standard interface, 70% income anti-subsidy investor players. Everybody got that? No, no, no. That yeah. is what they do. Where, where, right. Yeah, but to interject, this is this is a Chinese company. I don't know. Whoa. I don't know what well, they are. They, they well, we'll get into that. All right, but yeah, clearly somebody ran something through Google Translate and did not bother <laughs> to run that by anybody. Be like, hey, does this make sense to you? They were just like, yes, this is what we do. Bah. You know, uh, and I said that in Russian. I don't know if they're Russian either. So. So yeah, that's what they do. They um they had like some other imagery that said like a guarantee is guarantee. So anyway, the the uh the guy who reported on this is, was on Medium. His name is Philippe Castongue, I hope. And solid, solid. you can read that uh the whole article in the show notes. I just pulled out some of the more interesting parts. Number one red flag is the pictures of their team were pictures of famous people. So there was a famous piano player named Dang Tai Son and a famous Instagram influencer named Jessica Vu who were on their team with other fake names. So this dude who was doing the research found bugs all over the contract. He found a bug that let somebody take out 2600 Ethereum earlier, which was actually another guy who was doing research on them. So there was another guy who was a uh, he researches Ethereum contracts that have a lot of money in them. And he sent that money, not to himself, but to one of the admins to prove that he could take the money out and uh, and then like reported it to them. So that's how he showed that he got the bug. I don't know if he got paid for it, but that's basically what happens. So this guy finds an exploit where you can like swap something, uh, the invite code, and get all the Ethereum that is being deposited he was chatting with a bunch of people internally about how are we going to go public with this? Because if we do go public with this, the people who have their money on the site are going to try to do a run on it. And these other guys, we know that they have an exploit where they can take the money out. So we need to help people get their money off here and we need to explain this. But at the same time, like the second we do, it's over. And that's, uh, that's what happened. So they exposed the scam last week. And of course, as soon as they exposed it, the funds in the contract started to disappear. People were trying to withdraw their money. Either the team took a bunch of money or they were very specific at who they allowed to take money out of the smart contract. So apparently they had control over that. And uh, the, the article said it was a $150 million total Ponzi scheme. I don't know where that number came from. I didn't, I didn't uh, fact check that. But when it went down, there was only like $8 million in the contract or something like that. Wow. So maybe they raised a bunch of money or something like that. They were also paying a lot of gas fees. So yeah, there we go. Uh, another, another one bites the dust. But again, this is why we talk about red flags. Generally, if the pictures of the team people can be Google image reverse searched, you probably shouldn't invest in a coin or be a part of their company. So I dug into their socials and I went to their LinkedIn and uh, I'm just going to read the first sentence. Fairwin is skilled group of developers working in the game industry since 2008 and located, located in Moscow, Russia. Um, ah, so I was correct with my, my uh, thing there. Yes. The Asian people live in the Moscow. 
That's of course the truth. It's just crazy that they have broken English in their own about us. Like there's just a lot of, you know, I don't know. I just, I find when, when you, when you have stuff like that, especially in like an important, you know, very professional website like LinkedIn, it's sometimes is going to set up for not necessarily for a scam, but it's going to set up a red flag for it. Like being maybe sketch or just not well put together. Yeah. Just, just so we're clear. Kareem is English your first language. Negative. Yeah, and we haven't heard Kareem talk like this. So <laughs> the red flag is that these people are not as smart as Kareem, if anything. And you better be at least as smart as Kareem to run a well, blockchain project. These guys made millions of dollars, though, so they're doing something right. I have Good zero point. million. I have zero millions of dollars, so I don't really want to compare myself to these guys. Although he, they, they, they got Putin helping them. That's not fair. Actually, this I, I should have just continued the LinkedIn paragraph because it actually just gets better. Uh, it says, yes. During our work, we have created hundreds of online games for our partners. We have developed a lot of mathematical algorithms, providing fine balance between player excitement and system profit. We have unique knowledge and experience. That's just a sentence. Profit. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah. And then our products have the highest level of protection from unauthorized access. The stability of our games is confirmed by many years of practice. Please tell <laughs> me the word profit is in all caps. No, it's not. Oh, that would but, be great. Man, this, yeah, it's good. This is quality. Uh, so, yep. Uh, do, make sure you do your research on this stuff and don't fall for the don't fall for this stuff. This it, it's so sad to see every one of these pop up and go down. And I wish I knew enough about blockchain to actually go investigate this stuff, like on chain. Instead, I you know, in fairness, we are often trusting the people that do have the ability to do that with their analyses, but they always provide proof. So, well, and more importantly, we're also analyzing the response to those criticisms. It's not like legitimate projects haven't been accused of being scams. You could pick any project, you could pick anything. And there's somebody online saying, Oh, this is this. this." So you analyze the criticism and you analyze the response and you use, we can, we're not experts, but we do, can we can look at human behavior we can see who's using logical fallacies we can see who's getting defensive who's trying to address core issues you know what i mean yeah yes yes and yes all right well that'll wrap up today's flagship i think but before we go i forgot last week to talk about all of our patreon members so we are going to talk about them now you want to join the patreon go to uh patreon.com slash crypto basic also patreon members who are waiting on your nfts so I got a new phone and actually I'm going to tell a quick story. We're in, we're taking a second on the, I ended up getting a phone for free, a Samsung note 10 plus for free. Uh, but he, here's how it works. So I, I was on jump on demand with T-Mobile. I did a jump and I got the new phone. It showed up. And like the day after it got here, I noticed there was a crack in it. I don't think I put that crack there because I've never cracked the phone. As stupid as I am and as clumsy as I am, I've never once cracked a phone that I've ever owned. So I got on with Twitter support on T-Mobile, which is always awesome. And I said, hey, I got this phone cracked. Uh, it's it, like I didn't do it. I sent him a picture. It's really tiny. I'm like, but I feel like I don't want to get charged for this later when I turn the phone in because jump on demand. You're leasing it. And the guy's like, no problem. We'll send you another one. So he sends me the new phone. And th- the whole process took a long time because I was traveling. So I was, uh, I was, this is when I was in Miami. 
uh, my girlfriend met me in Miami. So they, they sent the phone. She brought the phone with her to Miami. And then while I was in Miami, I sent the phone back by putting it in, uh, you know, I put it in its box. I sent it back to them. I have my new phone transfer everything over. When they got the phone back, they took the, the charge off my bill. That was the price of the phone, just like $1,400 or whatever. And then the guy messages me and says, so due to some weird circumstances, I can't reopen this thing on this phone for whatever reason. Like, I, I don't know. He didn't even really explain it. He's just like, he, he said, I basically can't reopen the lease on that phone that we sent you. Rather than have you send it back, we're just going to let you keep it. So you are now in possession of a fully paid off Note 10 Plus at no cost to you. So I ended up with a free phone. But in that process. That same day, I got my identity stolen. Sorry. Continue. Just talking about running. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't even talk about you getting your identity stolen. We should. So in that process, I ended up with a free phone. But then like the engine wallet, there's no desktop wallet. So I have to do it on the phone. And I needed to get home to my private keys to even import it. So everybody's waiting on the on the actual tokens from Patreon. I swear they're coming. I just got back into town like yesterday. So my private keys are here. I'm going to restore my wallet and then we'll be good to go. But uh, anyway, so thank you, Patreon members. I, I'm going to read their names off in a second. But Kareem did mention that his identity was stolen. You want to tell a story real quick? Yeah, my identity got stolen. It's <laughs> all the bullshit that has to go through to taking care of and story. <laughs> did they get anything? Uh, they opened some accounts in my name that I got to cancel. But as long I can going through the process of showing that that wasn't me. Wasn't me. <laughs> all right. All right. Patreon members. Now actual, we're going to, we're going to go over this. We're starting with the highest tier master node members. We've got uh Jordan Willis, a Jordan Willis. We have Annette. We have uh, also known as Millie, uh, Anthony, uh, Nymeyer, and Robert Laverty. Simon Gordon, The Burrito Project, seems awesome that they're called The Burrito Project, and The Bigger Boat, all still our Masternode, keeping us afloat members, crushing souls at that top level. Uh, it's taken one little step down. We've got the Inner Circle Secure Node members. That is the Z-Man. That is Jeff. That is Ether Kaki. I, I don't remember when he changed that name, but it's Ether Kaki. And Degenerate Brahmin are all rounding that out. All those people are in possession of these tokens or will be in possession of these tokens uh, by the end of the day when I restore that wallet. So that is it. Thank you for helping keep the show afloat, everybody. We very much appreciate it. You can always go to our website and see all of their names on the immortalization page. And uh, that's that's about, that's about a wrap there, I think. Everybody right? Oh, wait. What are we not? We are not financial advisors. We are just a bunch of idiots. And yes, we, 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 this is not investment advice. Uh, please no, do not trade on anything that we are talking never. about. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And let's have a great freaking week. We out, everybody. Keep it basic. <laughs>